0: can tell a story uh, that relates to your experience uh, even if it doesn't seem like it at the top <laughs> then uh, I think that is a, a great way of uh, getting the audience to go along with you on the journey because there'll there'll be this uh, anticipation as you're going through that narrative so I, I think it's a really powerful tool we have to do the things that are authentic to you. So if you are not a writer by nature, then a blog should probably be the last thing you're doing or maybe you don't do it at all. Maybe you're much better on video and that is the way that you will touch an audience. Personal branding absolutely does have an impact on one's business, uh, even if for no other reason than it just makes you more confident in what you're doing. And when you're more confident, you're going to project this image that's going to make people more likely to want to partner with you, buy from you, etc., etc.
1: And that is coming up next on Bootstrapping Your Dream Show. So stay tuned. So the big question is this. How are ambitious people like us who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth? How do we become resourceful enough? use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. We have created a tremendous community of bootstrappers, entrepreneurs, and professionals who are ambitious, resourceful, and want to get things done. We brainstorm, support, and help each other out. So come join us. Navigate to bootstrapping.group, join today, and get the Startup Founders Technology Accelerator video series absolutely free. If you enjoy this video, then do let us know by hitting that like button now. Or if you want us to improve our content, then go ahead and hit that thumbs down button and give us your honest feedback in the comment section below. Here at Tutter Noodle, we are passionate about entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. Every week, we bring you insightful and engaging videos, interviews, tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow your business or rise in your corporate profession. If you're new here, please do consider subscribing. And do not forget to hit that bell icon so that you are notified when we publish new content. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host Manoj Agarwal and today we'll be talking with JT Compo. So JT is the founder of the Content Interpreter which, uh, for which he serves as a speechwriter, thought leadership and public speaking consultant. He has developed captivating speeches, brand narratives and thought leadership pieces for entrepreneurs and professionals across a variety of industries, including advertising, architecture, business coaching, Wall Street, and journalism. His client-centric approach to developing content focuses on finding insight into the speaker's message, goals, and origins to create authentic and accessible storytelling. Let's welcome J.T. Hi, J.T. Hello, Manush. How are you? Good, good. By the way, I just want to let our viewers and listeners know this is a, a second attempt at this interview. Uh, we had uh, an amazing conversation a few weeks ago, and um, I had a hard drive loss where I lost that interview. So I'm really bummed about that, but I'm thrilled that we have we get to have another conversation because I enjoyed the last conversation so much. So welcome once again. And I look forward to our uh, our, uh, our round two now. Yes. All right. Yes, we're,
0: not, uh, we're not getting older, we're just getting better, as they say.
1: <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> that was just a practice <laughs> round, I guess. Um, so, so with that story uh, behind us, uh, tell us a little bit about how storytelling is, is getting into our lives and our business and our in our daily lives. Well, I
0: think that storytelling is all around us. I actually, I just did a, a social media post about this today about how great content is all around us. I think that every great storyteller has influences. And even if you don't consider yourself a storyteller, you are influenced by the environment in which you're, you're placed or in which you're choosing to be. And I think that uh, the way that it can help in business is being receptive to the stories that are in our environment, from news to podcasts to comedy, whatever it might be, but also recognizing the power in your own origin story, that you also are bringing something to the table, whether you realize it or not. And part of the work that I do with clients is helping them realize, like, hey, I have I have some great stories to tell that uh, uh, connect to, to other people's experiences. And those are the building blocks on which great speeches and talks are built. So it's everywhere.
1: Yeah. Um, it's it's funny, uh, you know, the other day I, I was talking to a young uh, person, young entrepreneur, and uh, like with uh, everyone else, uh, he had a story, but he was kind of shy and um, not very open about his story. So um, do you feel that a lot of people, either they don't, sort of think about what kind of stories they have in their, from their life experience, or they try to sort of, you know, not put so much importance into them, or in some cases, they even hide these stories so that, you know, they don't wanna reveal it uh, to to their audience. Have you found that sort of hesitation? I have, and
0: it's, it's interesting, and we all do it. I do it myself, and it's, I think it's a, a muscle that, that you have to exercise, it's like, okay, every day I'm gonna to try to find this balance between being authentic to myself, authentic to the audience, but also accessible. So I think that it's, it's always important to, to read the room, as they say, to know who your audience is so that you know which stories you can pull out of your toolbox. I honestly think the other part of it though is, is that people don't necessarily think that their experience counts or not their experience, but, but this one specific experience, I should say, uh, not the totality of their experience, but this one specific experience doesn't necessarily have anything to do with anything, so it kind of gets lost. And when I work with clients, I'm trying to bring those experiences back to the surface because if they can't be directly used in a speech or talk, they can certainly be uh, like subtext something that informs the speech, maybe it gives uh, the tone a little bit more direction. So it's, it's something that we all do. And I think that's what the value of working with a coach slash consultant of any kind is. And then when you're talking about speech writing specifically trying to mine those stories for, for insights into yeah. what it is that you're doing and why you're doing it. Yeah,
1: yeah. And stories are, you know, they have an emotional component to it. I think people connect really well when you tell a story rather than just sort of give a, uh, a very business-focused analysis of the situation. Is that, is that right? Like, what I mean, in your opinion, what is the significance of telling a story versus just showing some raw data?
0: Well, I think it gets the audience on your side right away. And not that it's a popularity contest necessarily, but I think that if you really want people to relate to you, that you kind of have to think like, hey, my expertise in this area is is kind of basic. It's the only setting in which that expertise is basic. I have to think of a way uh, that everyone in the audience can relate to me. And that goes, even if you're speaking to a, a large group of, of like-minded professionals, you still have to think in, in a much broader sense. And so if you can tell a story uh, that relates to your experience uh, even if it doesn't seem like it at the top <laughs> then uh, I think that is a, a great way of uh, getting the audience to go along with you on the journey because there'll there'll be this uh, anticipation as you're going through that narrative so I, I think it's a really powerful tool
1: that's awesome and so um, for people who are not initiated uh, and you know they're they're not uh, writers or speechwriters uh, like yourself, what do you think is the first step they should take in order to, you know, figure out what kind of stories they have, how do they frame it, how do they get started in telling their story? Uh, any any advice for them to get started on this? journey?
0: Well, the first step is always what what is my topic, and what is my audience, and I I consider those to go those two go together, mm-hmm. and you have to know what room, sometimes literally, I would advise my clients, if they can, to walk into the room that they'll actually be in so that they can read the room. But knowing the audience and knowing the topic at hand uh, really well is, is the first step. The benefit that I have in working with so many brilliant people, people that are way smarter than I am, to tell the truth, uh, is that I get to be the layperson, and I am the layperson in ninety nine point nine 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 percent of the cases, but I get to ask questions that perhaps they think are too basic, or perhaps they would feel like, well, everybody in the audience is going to know that, or no one really cares, and that's kind of where the the magic happens, so to speak, is that you get this sense of of. Uh, it's like falling in love again with the reason why you got into this business to begin with, for example, or uh, the reason why this research project was so important to you. So I think it's kind of uh, interesting to see people go back to the beginning. So my advice would be know your audience, know your topic, but be willing to kind of go back to the beginning and see why why did I do this in the first place and try to find insights within that because if you're going back to the beginning it's going to be much easier for the audience to follow you along this journey that you may have already taken but because you're taking it with an audience it's going to be much different for you and for them and then i would say that the third thing on that is is just not not being not being afraid to look vulnerable. And I want to put a little caveat on that. I mean, depending on the setting, you don't want to be telling your life story, but I think that there are little nuances, ways to find uh, a means of, of bonding with the audience, a, a common uh, form of expression. So telling that story, for example, about how, and this is true with one of my clients, how she was a little girl. She was told back in in those days, back in the in the '60s or '70s, well, science and STEM—that's not for girls. And revealing a little of that to the audience, I also think is a way of of forming that bond. So, knowing your audience, knowing your topic, going back to the beginning, and finding ways to be vulnerable—I think are all uh, good good pointers for for getting started.
1: That's awesome. So. That lays a very good foundation for the story that that we are going to tell now. You mentioned, you know, um, uh, some some speeches or some stories are memorable. They have a huge impact on the audience. So, um, like, after seeing so much content, maybe you have written many speeches, read many speeches, heard many speeches. Can you give us some common themes that emerge in terms of you know the memorable speeches that you have? that you are familiar with like, what what are some of the common themes what what gives uh, uh, the maximum impact on the audience
0: i think vivid imagery certainly so if you're a politician and you're you're describing your vision for america let's say you want to paint that picture as, as vividly as you possibly can you want to describe uh, the rolling landscapes and the barns and and uh, that sort of thing. And you want to describe a, a vision of prosperity, however you view it through, through whatever political lens. I think for me, the, the speeches that I've written personally and the work that I've done with clients, the thing that always stands out to me is the, the impact comes from defining or in many cases redefining a term that is commonly known by an audience. So for example, uh, I saw a, a man by the name of Ben Horowitz, who I'm sure you, you might be familiar with. He was on CBS this morning, he was talking about his, his new book, and I'm a little embarrassed the name of it is, is escaping me, but he had a great quote about culture. He said, culture is not uh, a set of beliefs, it's a set of actions. And so I think anytime you can include something like that in a speech, that becomes really memorable to the audience because they've had their expectations uh subverted just a little bit you don't want to necessarily go into shock value territory but you want something that uh, people will remember be like oh right that's right that's what he said about culture and i think that if you if you don't remember anything else uh, that that he said in that interview that was probably the most important thing uh at least for my estimation from watching it He, he might tell you something different if he were here But I think that that's a really important thing is just that slight subversion of of expectations and uh, that can really create a a powerful uh, moment, not just a moment, but something on which you can hang uh, an entire
1: speech. That's awesome. And um, along with storytelling and speech writing, these are big components of personal branding as well and that's one term that is becoming more and more popular these days. can you tell us what is your take on uh, this whole personal branding thing? Is it a fad? Is it something very important which people should consider um, uh, focusing on?
0: Oh, I don't think it's a fad at all. I mean, I, I'm, uh, since, since I graduated from college in, in the mid-2000s, I'll, I'll put a little uh, dating on myself there. Uh, I, I've just only seen this trend grow. And truthfully, when I first started my professional career in in marketing and advertising, it was not as biggest thing as it is today. But I think that it's it's fantastic. I think it gives you an identity beyond your your title. I, I think it's wonderful that you can say, "Hey, you know I am uh, an account director by day, but I'm also uh, a creative and uh, musician by night and here." Here's some stuff I've created. Here's some music I want you to listen to. Here's some blog posts that I've written. And I think it really just enriches uh, the professional quality of life for people. And uh, as I've gone up in my career and then doing what I do now, working with so many different types of people, I've seen this personal branding manifest itself in so many interesting ways, things that I, I never would have even thought of. So I, I think it's fantastic. Not a fad in the least. And- uh awesome. I think the way that the world of work is changing almost necessitates it in a way. So the more people that, that can be doing that, uh, the better.
1: That's awesome. And so what are the you know the high level components of establishing a personal brand? Like is it public speaking? Is it uh, social media? Um, maybe, maybe you can share some of your own experiences as you're trying to build your brand. Sure,
0: I would say all of the above, really.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> But
0: I think that uh, like with speech writing, what I would tell my clients as I'm working with them is that we have to do the things that are authentic to you. So if you are not a writer by nature, then a blog should probably be the last thing you're doing or maybe you don't do it at all. Maybe you're much better on video and that is the way that you will touch an audience. Or maybe you're, you're terrific on stage but not so great on the one-on-ones or or maybe it's the the reverse of that excuse me so I I think that it's really just about finding what it is that that you do well and where you're most comfortable and while I do believe that everybody should try to stretch and grow uh, you want to build on your strengths not on your weaknesses Um, it's a quote I'm fond of I can't remember where I heard it so I apologize to whoever said it it's not mine But I'm a big believer in building on your strengths and not on your weaknesses. So start with the things that you're good at
1: and uh, take it from there. Awesome. And so uh, in terms of monetary rewards or in terms of revenue generation, what kind of impact have you seen um, personal branding has on the bottom line? On the bottom line?
0: I mean, I certainly think that it it, uh, can increase the bottom line. I think the more that your audience feels connected with you, uh, the more likely they are to buy i 'm a big fan also of uh, Simon Sinek, start with why, and uh, that is is not not just a component of personal branding but of just brands in general that 's what he was talking about when he said that so I, I think that uh, the certainly the days of advertising. Uh, like in the in the sixties, where they would describe the features of a product and it 's like, "Oh, it cleans real well and it smells great too are are long gone it's it's much more about uh, uh, high concept level creative as well as uh, making sure that your audience feels something so I, I think all those things can certainly uh impact the bottom line and uh The, the interesting thing though is that sometimes at least in my limited experience, it's not always directly attributable. So you can't always necessarily point and say, Hey, there was triple digit percentage growth year over year. And here was the portion that went to personal branding. I think a lot of uh, the investment in personal branding is intangible at first. Mm -hmm. And uh, in a sense, it can also be aspirational because you're trying to have that connection with the audience. Uh, But We also have other metrics like social media followers and more importantly, uh, engagement to to give some quantification uh, to that connection with the audience. So in a way, I think that's even more important than the bottom line. But overall, yes, personal branding absolutely does have an impact on one's business, uh, even if for no other reason than it just makes you more confident in what you're doing. And when you're more confident, you're going to project this image that's going to make people more likely to want to partner with you, buy from you, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, Now, uh, we uh, always uh, talk about some of the typical mistakes that people make on this show, because we want to try and learn from other people's mistakes and not repeat them. So have you seen any... um, any uh, you know, obvious mistakes that people make while establishing their personal brand?
0: Uh, well, I could tell you about a mistake that I made when I was first starting this business. So okay, if sure. you want to talk about being vulnerable, I'll, I'll open up a little bit here and <laughs> can't, can't, <laughs> hopefully we'll connect with your listeners. Uh, I think that it's really important to focus. So when I first started my business, it was really originally intended to be any kind of written content. And in the very beginning, I did work with some wonderful clients on things that were not speeches. So marketing collateral and website copy and just establishing the voice of of a a couple small businesses, small practices. But it wasn't until I started to zero in on speech writing that I discovered that when you focus – a, it's, it's much more satisfying to you. I don't wanna say that the work I did previously was not satisfying because I had great clients, but I would say that speech writing and consulting in the way that I consult is, set, is much more satisfying to me from an artistic point of view. So you feel better about what it is that you're doing because you just can't wait to, to get to the next client or work with the next person or partner with that next partner. And then B, that in turn makes the business more lucrative. So I've seen a lot of revenue growth since I decided to focus in more or less on on speech writing, save for those couple of uh, wonderful legacy clients that I have. Uh, So I, I think that the mistake that I made in the beginning was trying to be too many things to too many people. And I think that the mistake... Uh, And that reflected in the personal brand, too, because if you were to go and and read my website copy or or go back and listen to those early uh, phone calls that I was having with clients and prospects, uh, it would probably sound very unfocused and kind of all over the place relative to where I am now and where I've been for roughly uh, the last 18 months or so. So yeah, just just uh, it's like I was saying about about the uh, establishing the personal brand before. It's like just just as they say on the reality shows, just do you. you know, don't try to do something that you're not good at yet. Just just get one thing down, and then and then see where you can have uh, uh, replicated success elsewhere as you stretch and that's grow good. those muscles.
1: That's a great piece of advice. Uh, that's for sure. Um, Now let's get back to uh, speech, uh, speech writing and uh, speeches in general. Uh, One of the typical mistakes that I have noticed, you know, I certainly am guilty of that as well, where we don't really structure the speech, you know, if if you have to deliver a speech, we just sort of go with the flow and, and see what comes up. But I think you have a certain structure that you advise your, like you, you, you frame your speeches in a certain structure, right?
0: I have a process through which I take clients that, that gets them to their structure. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome,
1: awesome. Uh, so can you-
0: with, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Can you share with us a little bit of a high level overview of what this process looks like?
0: Absolutely, and uh, I'll start off by saying that it's, it's not complicated at all. I mean, there, there's heavy lifting involved to get you to the great speech, but the process itself is not complicated. So the first thing that I do with clients is after we've had this this uh, initial consultation, kind of a, a chemistry meet and greet, is we start with the, the kickoff interview, kickoff call, kickoff in-person meeting, where I will sit with them for 60, 90, 120 minutes, however long they'll have me, and I just ask them questions based on things that they've uh, told me initially or things that I've read, things that I've watched, uh, whatever it is I could get my hands on, And uh, I'll just, because again, I'm a layperson, I'll just ask questions that probably 90% of people know the answer to, at least in their industry. And it gets them thinking about, oh, yeah, that's right. That reminds me of this story of why I got into anthropology (laughs) to begin with, right, or whatever it might be. And so we'll sit and we'll talk. And I basically take all of that away. And I look back through it. I review it. And I say, hey, here are like three to five areas that I think are, are ripe for exploration, as well as here are some insights, things that jumped out at me that are interesting about your story vis-a-vis the topic at hand. And I present them with that. And then I also present them with an outline for a speech. And even within the same industry, no two outlines are the same because it's tailored for the individual. So we go over that outline. We might make some changes. They might say, hey, you kind of misread on that one or let me clarify this and that will cause me to readjust. And then we get into speech writing. That's when I, I do most of the, the hard work and the heavy lifting is writing the speech and we just edit it again and again until they feel like I have an authentic piece and I have something that is authentic to them, right? Saying, for example, something it, it doesn't contain any phrases that they would never say. That That's the worst thing. So I, I, I do my best uh, on the first try to get it as close to their voice as I can. That's a process. Uh, and then also accessibility. So even if you are speaking to an audience that is full of strictly your colleagues, you want it to have a, a bit more of a broader accessibility than just you know, talking about the the subject matter at hand. So that's the process, steps one through three that I take my clients through. And it's, it's a lot of fun. I I always have fun doing it because whenever I work with clients, they teach me something. It's like uh, getting an an education, a college education that I didn't have to pay for. So, which is fantastic. I love that. But I think they have fun too. I think that they start to see, uh, at least for the clients that, that started at the beginning, kind of saying, well, oh, I have to give this speech. You, you see their mindset start to change a little bit and say, oh, I'm really excited to give this speech because I've worked with someone that uh, takes my story seriously and, and helped me craft this this great talk. So that that's the process and uh, it really works. It's fun. Awesome,
1: that's great. And um, do you recommend, you know obviously you're a speech writer, so I, I'm not sure whether you actually coach people on actually delivering the speech as, as well or not. But what do you recommend whether people should memorize their speech or just sort of use uh, talking points and, and, uh, and uh, just remember the talking points while delivering their speech.
0: Well, I think it depends. I mean, I've written speeches for which there will be a teleprompter, which oh. I think is, is great, but you have to know how to work with a teleprompter or you can't just yeah. go up there the first time and, and, uh, expect that to to work out and be 100% flawless. I would say that for most people, uh, if it's a more informal talk, it's probably best to uh, have have a a roadmap in your head of of where you're going. So that would be more of like a, a bullet pointed list that's in your mind. I do think that there is advantage of having a speech written out word for word though. The the purpose of that is not so that you will memorize it and it's the same turn of phrase each and every time, but so that you've had the opportunity to cut out uh, any of the excess, anything that is not serving the speech or moving it forward as well as the other material. So I, I would say that, uh, you know, in, in anticipation of the question, well, why would you need a speechwriter if it's just going to be a bullet point? I think you need to know, you have to have a detailed roadmap, too, that's written down somewhere. You may know where to turn right or left, uh, if, you're, if you're going to indulge me in this uh, driving metaphor. But uh, you'll want to know that, hey, you know, if you pass the gas station on your right, that's too far. And that's the
1: kind of benefit that you get from a speechwriter. Yeah. going through. i mean don't get me wrong like bullet points is basically a summary of the speech that's how i looked at it because yeah. you cannot have those points talking points unless you you know you know what is the substance behind it right
0: right, right. absolutely yeah so i mean the, the 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 broader outline i don't think works as well if you haven't done the work yeah. of, of getting into the details so i i see what you're saying and 100 percent agree
1: awesome And so one of the things that, uh, you know, I've seen you uh, quote is communicating your value increases your self-esteem and your self-worth, something that uh, you have said, maybe not exact word, but um, Mm. can you unpack that for us? Like, what do you mean by that?
0: Well, I think, uh, again, if I'm being vulnerable, I think one of the other mistakes that I made when I first started this business was not believing 100 percent that, hey, what I do not only adds a little bit of value, but a lot of value. Like it's not just a nice to have, it's essential if you're going to step into this particular spotlight. Uh, So I think that, and you can relate, I'm sure, as an entrepreneur, you're telling your story over and over again, you're doing it on calls, you're doing it on podcasts, you're you're talking about your story from a hundred different angles on a hundred different media, uh, perhaps. Mm -hmm and i think that the more that you talk to people and the more that you can communicate that story the more validation that you'll get and i'm not i'm not a proponent of uh, seeking external validation because that that you know exclusively that that has its own problems but i do think that it's important to get feedback from uh not only prospects, because that that is a different dynamic where you're you're hoping that they'll they'll buy from you, but from fellow entrepreneurs especially. And so I think that that is is probably what I was saying when I I, I know I have written things like that in the past. I don't remember the exact uh, quote either, but it is it's it was tremendously helpful for me. And not only saying like, "Hey, I can really do this. I can be an entrepreneur," but also in tightening up my own messaging that i would pass along to prospects so increases your self-esteem because you just realize hey i can do it but also increasing your your uh your self-worth and as susie orman says right your your net worth as well because you're going to convince more people uh to engage with you professionally
1: that's awesome that's great well thank you so much for being with us uh, and sharing your knowledge and wisdom about speech writing and and how to build a personal brand. Um, before I let you go, can you uh, tell people how they can reach out to you?
0: Absolutely, yes. So so uh, my website, contentinterpreter.com. And if you go to contentinterpreter.com slash podcast, you can sign up for a consultation where we can chat, get to know each other, talk about your your speech writing, your public speaking needs. I would love that. I'd love to engage with your listeners in that way. I'm also on Facebook, Content Interpreter, uh, Twitter, at Content Interpreter, and I'm also on LinkedIn as well. And so there are awesome. a bunch of different ways uh, to get in touch with me. If you're a fellow entrepreneur, I'm also on the Shaper Networking app, and I'm also on Alignable, which is a, a social network for small business owners. So uh, if all else fails, just Google, and, and you'll... You'll find a place to reach me.
1: <laughs> sure, awesome. That's great. We'll we'll try to put uh, as many links in the show notes as possible so that we can Terrific. reach out to you. Now, uh, before you know, you brought up Shaper and Alignable. I've heard of those apps. How do you find them, by the way? Like, are they are they uh, are they as good as LinkedIn, or what is your opinion about it?
0: I think I think they're different uh, shaper was was brought to my attention by my career coach who I worked with uh, for almost an entire year, and the work that we did together actually inspired what this business ultimately became so i I, I give a big shout out to career coaches everywhere. I think they do phenomenal work uh, But shaper is is uh, for uh, lack of a better term uh, tinder for business and so you basically uh, tell people where you're working. You say, Hey, here are my interests professionally. Here's uh, so hashtag marketing, hashtag branding, hashtag public speaking, whatever it might be. Here are my goals. I want to hire more employees. I want to grow my business. I just want to expand my network, whatever it might be. And they will give you a set of matches that you swipe left or swipe right. And it's as simple as that. And uh I'm I, I don't get paid by them or anything. I just want to clarify, I, I just uh I just happened to use the, the app and uh met a lot of interesting people. Uh as far as alignable goes, uh it's different from LinkedIn in the sense that everyone on or most everyone on there that I've encountered are small business owners. So you kind of have this kinship that is not necessarily found on on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is every professional uh, in, in the world, any kind of professional in the world is on LinkedIn. Alignable is geared much more towards uh, small business owners and uh, it's an interesting way to just compare notes with, with people and what marketing channels work and that sort of thing. So it's, that, uh, they're both a lot of fun and, and uh, each of these channels, as you see, it serves a different purpose.
1: That's great, well thank you so much for sharing your thoughts on that as well, thanks. Absolutely, my pleasure. And that's all for now, until next time. Now, if you're an entrepreneur or a career professional, then I invite you to join our growing community. Navigate to bootstrapping.group. As a welcome bonus, you will get the Startup Founders Technology Accelerator video series and Mastering Your Inner Game video series absolutely free. This series of short videos address some core issues which are instrumental in helping you move forward in your business or career. The videos are yours to view and share for free, no obligations or strings attached, except for one. You have to take action and implement it. So join us today, navigate to bootstrapping.group. If you want more engaging videos and insightful interviews with industry's thought leaders, then check out the other videos we have picked for you. The link is right there. And if you want to be notified about our new content, please do consider subscribing to our channel.